Welcome to Life in the Pit, a podcast about the lives and adventures of instrumentalists within the wonderful world of musical theater. And now, here is your host, David Lane. And hello, everybody. Welcome to the fourth installment of Ask the Music Director. Uh, Just as a reminder, we do have a full-length episode coming this Friday, and I'll tell you more about it at the very end of this episode. But I wanted to first go ahead and get this installment out, and this will complete the series up to a point. Um, That is to say, I hope that I'll be able to get more questions, and I'm certain I can get more music directors, and even some of the ones that we've had already to answer some of those questions. But of the 14 questions that were asked of music directors that I compiled and that I asked six music directors to provide me uh, some answers for those. We have already done 11 of those questions in the first three parts of the series. So uh, definitely go seek that out. Definitely would encourage you to go to the first part of episode one, just so you can get a full introduction to who it is that is answering the questions. Um, I'm going to just give you a reminder of who they are in just a moment. But again, out of um, 14 questions, we've already answered 11, so we have three remaining. So let me go ahead and introduce to you once again uh, our music directors who have answered uh, these questions for you. And again, just as a reminder, not every music director answered uh, every question, but we are including all of their answers for just the variety and sometimes just the harmony of how they sometimes give you the same answer. Once again, here are the music directors answering the questions. My name is Brandon. I'm currently living in Boston, but I am from Chicago. This is Chris Tilly. I live in Greensboro, North Carolina. My name is Julie Danielson, and I live in Kansas City. My name is Matthew Croft. I live in Cleveland, Ohio. My name is Marcy Shago. I live in Germantown, Maryland. My name is Ron Murphy, and I am the resident music director at the Cumberland County Playhouse in Crossville, Tennessee. And the first question comes from an actor. What do you actually listen for at mass auditions when there are so many shows that need cast? And to clarify for those who have not been around the situation in theater, uh, what is being asked here is that uh, very often one show has an audition at a time. You audition for, let's say, that you want to be in Uh, Miss Saigon. Well, there there will be an audition for Miss Saigon, but uh, there are several theaters who will audition for all of the shows or several of the shows that they're going to have in a season all at once and cast all the shows at once. Those are called mass auditions. So the question is, once again, what do you actually listen for at mass auditions when there are so many shows that need cast? Of course, the main things, can you act, can you sing, can you move, and do you seem like a person I would want to work with? And then, so if I'm at uh, UPTAs or, or SETC and casting maybe one or two shows, then it's the same as a specific show audition who can play these roles in this show. If I'm casting a group of people for, say, a summer stock season of, of you know, four or five shows, then I'm probably looking for people to fill roles in those shows that might be harder to fill, a certain leading role or an or a unusual supporting role, whatever. 
but who can also fit well into the ensemble or into some other role in the other shows. If I'm at a mass audition, if I, if it's just kind of like a cattle call and it's just like everyone is there, the first thing I kind of listen for is who's gonna who's standing, especially for lead roles. Lead roles, 100%, I'm listening for, oh, that's different, or ooh, I like that. I, my ear likes that, right? Usually I try and before callbacks just kind of get a list of everyone that my ear went, oh, ooh, hold on, ooh. Ooh, if I'm if I'm intrigued by your voice for one reason or another, um, I try and think about it and I try and think, was it the whole performance or was it just like one thing? Because um, if it was that one thing, it had to be like extremely special. You know what I mean? But like I try and hear for everything you're doing in a performance, uh, you know, in your 1630 to whatever, you know, however long a minute of music, whatever we ask you to bring in. I'm listening for something that makes my ear kind of like tickles my ear to say, okay, let's call them back. I want to see if it's the same. And if it is the same, then I can boil it down and say, oh, okay. I actually really like this because now that I'm looking at the character, this is good. Now that I'm looking at the character again, this is going, this is actually going to work very well. Uh, then you might put them in, you know, put them in a situation with another, with another actor you're thinking of, uh, thinking about things like that. Okay. The next question, actually the next two questions each got quite a few more answers. So the next question is from a pit musician. How do you decide tempos? I talk about the style, like the emotional beats with the directors before music rehearsal, not like in detail, but just a little bit of what kind of emotional something, you know, the emotion of the song. And then when I'm working with the actor, you know, the actor will have ideas and I'll listen to what they want. And because it's really being an accompanist, I'm a, I'm a pianist and I'm the accompanist and being able to listen and work with them as a team to get the actors, give them exactly what they need while also also keeping the orchestra part of the song, part of the whole creative process. And I'll talk to the directors after, you know, I'll play it, we'll, we'll sing it for them. And they're like, they'll give me some feedback, like, this needs to be faster. Can you push a little harder? Can you, like, get her to give more at this big moment in the song? So it's just, it's a, it's a team effort. I usually start with what the composer has written. So if the composer has written a specific tempo, I go with that. Sometimes tweak it a little bit slower or faster, depending on what the choreographer needs, what the singers need. It really depends on the production and the actors involved. And I know that tempos can be flexible, but once we set them, we try to keep them that way. Occasionally during a production, an actor may have a struggle with an illness and need to bring the tempo down for us for a solo song but we try to keep the tempo as consistent as possible across the board for the entire cast how do you decide tempos i don't there there's no deciding tempos um <laughs> we can decide tempos all we want but uh there's a point where they either will get too fast or get too slow regardless. Um, it always happens. The only shows that I've, that have not 
you know, had that happen are shows where everyone is like chained to a click. Right. Um, and I mean, even then, you know, you still have to, you know, choose what tempo you're going to go at. And usually if it's to a click, I'm just doing what's on the paper um, or what, you know, what's on the record or whatever. But, but like on a more serious note, um, I decide tempos based on kind of, first of all, where I want, where I think the song kind of fits or, you know, sounds the best. And, you know, perhaps there might be a recording that I really like and I like how, like the tempo of that, right? Um, Then I bring it to the actors and I say, hey, can you sing it this fast or can you sing it this slow? And if they're like, actually, it's really comfortable at this speed, that's that's kind of my, that's a compromise. And then we figure it out throughout the rehearsal because it might be fine when you're when your actor is just you know standing next to you by the piano, but when they're running around on stage, they might need you know that fraction of a second may just be you know a little too short to get a you know to get a decent enough breath to sing this next phrase. You know, it's it's all those micro details. I confess, I have had a bad habit in the past of doing my tempos a little too fast. I'm trying to learn from those experiences because I've found some old recordings and videos. I'm like, oh my gosh, that is too fast. So try and get myself to ease in and, and be a little bit more stable with my tempos. Again, if you have a drummer who can keep a steady, steady beat and, and click it up or slow it down when you need them to, oh, those are dream drummers for me. Um, but I do have one piece of advice that you might want to share. And this is from my friend, John Balcourt, who is the assistant music director at Dear Evan Hansen. And he uh, likes to say that ballad is a style, not a tempo. So lots of times a ballad needs to have a lot more forward motion and movement in it than people give them credit for. Lots of times they think ballad means slow. Um, But feeling like really the, the, melody lines are more stretched out they're longer duration of notes but it doesn't necessarily need to be at a slow tempo so that was a really great piece of advice i got so i do some listening to recordings very early on as i'm learning the show this would be you know before rehearsals even start before we cast the show uh so then during rehearsals with the cast i'm almost always my own rehearsal pianist so i get to know what what the cast needs or what the moment in the, in, in the show needs, what makes sense. So then during performances, I tend to imagine that I'm playing the song and sometimes I'll even, you know, move my hands like I'm playing air keyboard and essentially I'm remembering the tempo. And the final question came from a listener to the podcast who is a drummer, so it's rather specific. What are the most important skills a pit drummer must have for a music director? As a music director, the drummer can be either your best friend or your worst enemy. And you often uh, can make or break a show depending on the drummer that you have. Um, I've worked with a lot of drummers over the years, and I think the things that make for the best drummers, in my opinion, are three things. One, they need to be consistent. I need a drummer who can stay steady, who if I set a tempo and we start something, it's going to stay there until I change it. Uh, as the music director. Um, Two, I need a drummer who's going to be authentic to the style. Um, A lot of these shows now 
are, are not just boom chick Broadway shows, but they run the gamut from old school Broadway to funk to Motown to Latin to, you know, we have all of the seven, eight grooves and everything that we have on Superstar are very unique and very 70s. Um, and modern hip hop and rock and roll. You need a drummer who can do the homework and the study to bring the sound of the original style of music to the pit, make it sound authentic and make it sound as if that drummer was plucked right off the album. Um, the, the more research that your drummer can do along with you, the MD to make sure that the show sounds authentic. That's going to be one of the most easily recognizable things by an audience as to whether the, the band sounds good on any show because if the drummers playing the producers like a rock show or playing, you know, Motown as if it were Rogers and Hammerstein, you're going to, it's going to be the complete wrong feel and that can break the show. And third, your drummer needs to be inventive within reason. And what I mean by that is I really love working with drummers who can be inventive and come up with interesting fills or interesting grooves that can fill in stuff on a show that needs to be there while still speaking in that show's language without bringing in some sort of weird esoteric idea that's not going to fit the show. Um, Cause like the rest of us in the orchestra, the drummer is always at service to the story and to the music as written. Um, but a drummer who can bring some sense of fun and some sorts of energy and groove to a show while staying steady and being, you know, impeccable in their style and their chops I think those are the most important things, and those are going to be your best drummers. Oh, my God. This is so important. I can't express how, wow, this is actually a really, really awesome, wonderful question to ask. It's so important that your drummer can read, first of all. Um, If you're a pit drummer and you can't read or you can't read well or fast enough, First of all, you're going to get lost extremely quickly. Second of all, it's going to make my life as an MD just terrible because, you know, there's, you know, if we're not playing to a click, if we're not playing to a click, I'm counting on you as the drummer to keep everything else and, you know, keep everything else together. So if you're lost, that's it. (laughs) That's kind of it. Show's over, man. But, um, in addition to being able to read, which I mean, it's just like so important pocket, you know, I'm a, I, 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 I've said a couple of times already. I'm a, I'm, I'm a bass player. There are no two better best friends than a bass player and a drummer. And in theater, especially when you have a large pit, there are no better best friends than the rhythm section, right? Guitar player, bass player, drummer, percussionist, keyboard players, right? Like there is no better like there there's nothing better than to have a good solid rhythm section, and if you as a drummer just aren't catching up, where it, it it's like you're dragging it's like we're dragging everything through like molasses right or honey it's just like it's there but we're just it's all we're just you, you know um so pocket and groove. And, you know, being able to stay, you know, being able to, you know, understand being on top of the beat, a little ahead and a little behind and being able to be musical um, is so important. Also, just being able to to, you know, read a chart, you know, I, I know I said reading earlier, but like if you if you can if you can read music. You, I, I might ask you to play percussion if, you know, like, you know, I might ask you to play percussion here and there. Like, you know, if you're like, I've never played timpani before, like, it's just like here, you move the pedal and you hit it 
<laughs> you know, it's 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 so there, especially nowadays shows that call for like a drummer. It's just like here's a groove, and then bars and bars and bars and bars and bars of time, right? And it's like make a phrase, make it sound interesting, and also be volume conscious. It's kind of like these this big balance of like three things, but like basically versatility in your playing and your style, um, being able to read and just being able to be solid, right? You know, if you can't if you can't like you know improvise if you can't like you know improvise grooves on the spot you can do you can do fills wherever you think they're appropriate but like if it's tasteful no one's gonna notice because it's you know, it fits right in there you know it, it it sounded like it fit so it's you know it, it that's nice right um if you play a if you play a fill and it's out of time or if you play a fill and it's just like it's like you're you're playing septuplets and all these kind of crazy things over it and no one asked <laughs> if you're doing something that no one asked it's just like you know you're, you've lost everyone but like keeping it in time uh being able to read and follow at the very least follow your score um knowing where your hits are knowing where all of these other things are that's so important for an md i think drummers oh my gosh really helps if they um read music, but that's a whole nother thing. Um, but you know, keeping at least knowing where they are, lots of times drummers get so into the groove that they kind of lose track. Um, so being able to read the actual scores is really important for the kind of work that I do with my pit musicians. Um, and I also think being able to play sensitively, and that doesn't always just mean quiet. It just means being aware when it's your turn to let go and when it's, you're, like someone else's turn, if that makes sense. So um, I think the the drummers that I hire over and over are great music readers, great attitudes, and they play sensitively. Specifically for drummers, I think a lot of drummers have this idea that they drive the bus. You know, they, they control the tempos. They speed up or slow down or they keep things steady, whatever. Often that is true. In a lot of music, that's true. Sometimes in musical theater, that's true. But... In the pit, you have to be able to watch and follow a conductor, and you have to be able to listen, and you have to be able to make adjustments. If the conductor is also playing a keyboard book, then you have to hone in on what they're playing and follow that, because the conductor is making decisions for the show, not just for the music. And that is it for now. Uh, I want to thank Brandon, Chris, Julie, Marcy, Matt, and Ron for contributing to this series and um, I'd love to do some more of this later on. Uh, if there's a question you have, you can always send me a message. You can always, uh, whether it's on Instagram, uh, Facebook, or through my website, feel free to let me know what would you like to ask a music director. And also, if you are a music director that would love to answer some of these questions, let me know. Uh, it might be a few months before we get down to another round, but... Uh, definitely send me those questions and uh, we'll answer as many as we can. Okay, check back in this Friday and for episode number 33, I'm going to be talking to a violist. Uh, it's been a while since we've had someone who plays strings on the show. And this is a violist who lives in Miami. So we'll be talking about South Florida. Check that out Friday on episode 33. 
As a reminder, if you want to follow what's coming up next, be sure to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook at Life in the Pit Pod. You can follow me on Instagram at David Lane Music or Twitter and Facebook at David M. Lane Music. As always, a special thanks to Mark Perolo for his cover art and to Bill Cisna for providing the introduction of this podcast. All original music is composed and performed by David Lane. You can find out more about the podcast or leave feedback through davidlanemusic.com slash podcast. Please rate and review on the Apple Podcast app and share with your friends. Thank you for listening. Thank you.